My name is Brent. I won't tell you my last name or where I'm from. Here's what I can tell you about myself. I host a podcast. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where Jenna and I read and discuss K.A. Applegate's Animorphs series in order. This week we're doing Book 12, The Reaction. So the book opens with a field trip to the gardens, during which Rachel saves a young boy who falls into the crocodile enclosure, and in the process, acquires a crocodile morph. Later on, she starts morphing uncontrollably, without even changing back to human in between, and ends up destroying her house. Bizarrely, she spends most of the book uh, trying to keep this a secret from the other Animorphs. This causes problems when the group attempts to keep Jonathan Taylor Thomas from becoming a voluntary controller and endorsing the sharing. She eventually finds out from Axe that this can happen if you acquire an animal you're allergic to, and that the only way to fix it is that eventually your body will reject the DNA out into a separate animal like a sneeze. Uh, She eventually expels the DNA during a talk show she was supposed to appear on, and there's a showdown between a crocodile, a bear, a llama, a squirrel, and an andalite on live TV, and then Jonathan Taylor Thomas flees to Uzbekistan. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's, you know, that's really the heart of this book is a lot of televised hijinks (laughs) and references to 90s pop culture. I don't think this is as a 90s book as the Dolphin one, but it's pretty up there. God. Okay. All right. So I apologize to our listeners. The actual character's name from this book is Jeremy Jason (laughs) McColl, and he is the teenage star of Powerhouse, uh, where his dad is played by a comedian. I'm just going to call him Jonathan Taylor Thomas because we all know that's who it is. Yeah, and that's a lot easier to remember than Jeremy Jason Nicole. It, it rolls off the tongue. But yeah, uh, obviously, definitely for certain home improvements, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Again, an extremely 90s book. We also have a, a reference to fanzines, which made me very, very happy. Because <laughs> Cassie and Rachel are both like super into to Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, and read a bunch of fanzines about him, which is so 90s. Yeah, they 100% have posters they've torn out of Tiger Beat on the wall. Yeah, Marco expressly references Tiger Beat at one point, and I'm like, God, oh, the 90s. (laughs) Oh, the 90s. Oh, the 90s. That's like the subtitle for these books. Yeah, for maybe this whole podcast. (laughs) What what fanzines (laughs) did young Jenna read? Uh, I didn't read any, because my fandom overlapped so neatly with internet being introduced into the home mm, mm. that i i really missed out on the fanzine craze because i was able to just use live journal well okay that's fair yeah uh but i still have i still love the idea of fanzines like i read more fanzines as a 2017 adult than i ever did as a 90s teen preteen. and people say academia is a waste <laughs> We also had, there's a weird extended scene in which Cassie and Rachel are talking about bands misnamed by Cassie's mother. Oh my god, this was <laughs> the best thing probably in the entire book. Yeah, I think so. Other than just the weird shit show at the end. <laughs> yeah, okay. That the, the Three Stooges sketch <laughs> bit at the end was pretty good. Yeah, we'll definitely get there, but they definitely, it's super wacky. It's wacky. It's just all wacky. But yeah, I, I really liked Nice is Neat, 
uh, yeah. Cassie's mom thinks that Nine Inch Nails, N-I-N, stands for <laughs> Nice is Neat. Because <laughs> Marco, for some reason, needed Cassie to buy a CD so that he could make a tape of it. Yeah, which is super weird because we don't get a lot of Cassie-Marco shared scenes. Like, I feel like they get the least shared scenes of anyone. I think you might be right. And also, like, Marco's dad has a job now. I get the impression this might have been maybe pre-Animorphs? Ooh. I don't know. You know, I think you might be right. I like the idea that Cassie and Marco got up to schemes and plans before they became Animorphs. <laughs> like, this was always something they were doing. It's just that their plans and schemes became more, like, high stakes. God, now I really want, like, a small prequel miniseries that's just just Marco <laughs> and Cassie's schemes from before <laughs> they were Animorphs. Yeah, they can't tell Jake because Jake is, like, a classic rube. Jake... God, Jake is such a dickhead in this book. He, uh, he is uh, just awful throughout this whole book. I, I, I mentioned that the book opens with Rachel rescuing a kid from the crocodile enclosure, which putting aside how she got out and how the zoo staff didn't notice there was an extra crocodile in there. Yeah, because of course she morphs the crocodile immediately upon getting it in this very high stakes child saving situation. You know, when the only tool you have is morphine, everything <laughs> looks like the morphine equivalent of a nail (laughs) sort of got away from me but yeah yeah jake is like outraged that she risked her life and and their secret to save this kid but it's crazy it's crazy that he would i okay i'm not gonna go through this whole rant again but if just go back to the second episode where i rant about jake yelling at rachel for morphing to avoid getting kidnapped on the street by a strange man. Just replace that with saving this boy in this crocodile pit, and I feel the same way. She even gets him to admit that he would have done exactly the same thing, but he's <laughs> still angry about it. And, and, and we know that he's still hiding Marco's secret about Marco's mom being Visitor 3, which is kind of like super important and will definitely come up in a later mission. So the idea that he gets upset with her about the fact that she doesn't tell the rest of the group that she's morphing out of control, like, he's not wrong, she shouldn't keep it a secret, but it he is being real hypocritical. Well, yeah, I mean, hiding important info from the team really seems to run in this family, because Jake <laughs> spent the, in- uh, granted, the last book didn't actually happen, <laughs> so from a purely temporal point of view i guess he's in the clear but he did spend the whole last story hiding his weird flashback not flashback affliction from the group even though axe like immediately knew what it was yeah and i mean in this case too like once they told axe what was happening he was like oh yeah you're having an allergic reaction uh you just need to wait for it to to burp or sneeze out of your system (laughs) Which also, how 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 crazy is it that it's like, yeah, we just need to make an entirely new crocodile out of leftover Z-space matter, and it just has to, like, purge itself from your body. That's some, that's, we're back into horror, body horror territory, thankfully. I mean, without even really getting into the question of, like, what happens if you're allergic to some sort of sapient creature? Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad you mentioned that, because I was like, what if Cassie were allergic to Rachel? (laughs) And then then Cassie just has to burp out a Rachel morph later. Also, Cassie acquires and morphs Rachel? (laughs) 
She doesn't even need to. Cassie really has gone all in on morphine sentience. Like, she was really torn up about this, and now she's super into it in a weird and creepy way. Yeah, between having Axe morph Jake, and then in this one, acquiring Rachel and morphing Rachel for for no uh, no real reason yeah, like no there's reason no real incentive for her to morph into Rachel at the end of the mad clusterfuck at the studio she just does and like that's just it it's just Cassie morphed Rachel yeah she basically acquires Rachel and says yeah don't worry about it this will be fine yeah everything's cool yeah that's a fascinating transition i really hope we get more insight into that whole moral shift in her next book for some reason i don't feel like we probably will but yeah probably not here's open yeah so rachel after she starts having this uncontrollable reaction and destroys her house in frankly a very upsetting manner <laughs> yeah because she's like in her bedroom and keeps going through all these morphs <laughs> and ends up as an elephant crashes down her whole floor into the kitchen doesn't know if she's crushed her sisters yeah and all on the same day that she jumped, or I guess it did badass gymnastics in order to get into the crocodile pit. That is one very bad, no good day. Yeah, no kidding. And then Cassie offers to let her stay at her place instead of in a hotel with her dad. And for some reason, she's like, yeah, nah, I don't think that I need to stay in Cassie's barn with this sort of thing. Let's go stay in a hotel. Yeah, that didn't seem like like... The wisest choice. I mean, I don't know how structurally sound hotels are. Probably more so than houses, but I don't think they're rated for elephant weights. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not built with those tolerances. I mean, I, I might be wrong. I am 100% ignorant about the building trade. Yeah, same. But still, it seems like maybe if you might turn into an elephant, probably stay <laughs> not somewhere where you're Potentially, you're going to crush 20 floors of people below you and you fall through the floor. Yeah, if there's even a 10% chance that you might become an elephant, you should be staying on the ground floor of wherever you're at. 100%. Sub-basement yeah. if you can. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's no real reason for her to be in the hotel. Like, that's not a plot point or anything. The 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 falling through her house is a plot point because that's she she gets local local fame let's say and that's what allows her to get on the oh i didn't write it down the bob and cindy sue show yes the weird talk show at the end uh-huh the one that uh jonathan taylor thomas is going to be on as well yeah that's their big plan <laughs> right because they need to intercept him before he starts promoting the sharing yeah yeah because they don't they they get a good idea that he's they spy on him while he's on a yacht and they get a good idea that he's not yet a controller but that he is like voluntarily handing himself over like he knows what visor three is he sees visor three morph out of a human into an andalite and then into some sort of javelin fish some sort of blowfish with spears a lebton javelin fish yeah that's the one axe identifies it immediately Visser 3 says he just acquired it, which is weird. Yeah, that's questionable. Because, like, if, if it's something that Axe knows about, and also that Visser 3 was able to just, like, pop off and pick up, like, that's weird. It really implies that Visser 3 is doing the equivalent of going golfing or 
hanging around at Camp David for a couple weeks, daring this <laughs> war that he's in charge of. Yeah, which would be pretty much par for the course for, for Visor 3's whole deal. He's just the worst. He's just such a shitty boss. Meanwhile, the Yurks on the ground are doing, like, a pretty good job keeping an eye on things. We get this, we get this, like, extra creepy scene with Rachel and Chapman. Oh, God. Where, yeah, after these things have happened, Chapman's like, why don't you come into my office and we'll talk? Your your teachers are really concerned. You're only maintaining an A average. Like, that. I, first of all, I don't think that's how public schools work in my experience if you're not absolutely failing out i do not think anybody cares right but the whole point of the scene wasn't that it had actually anything to do with their grades it was chapman grooming her to join the sharing <sighs> in the creepiest way possible this has come up a couple times because we've learned that like tom became a controller because he joined the sharing because there was some girl that he liked and we also had that other scene where uh, Tom was talking to Marco and was like, you should come to this trip. Uh, there's going to be a, like a lot of cute single girls there to flirt with. And I, it feels increasingly like the sharing is like a flirt to convert style uh, organization, which is super creepy. They obviously figured out how to play on the hormones of teenagers. Yeah. And you know what they're going to get when they do that? A bunch of teenage hosts. Not all that useful. I mean... Give them a few years? Yeah, I guess. Force them into government positions where they'll work their way up? Doesn't seem like Visser 3 to play the long game. No, or the short game or any game, because he's very bad at this. Yeah, this strategy has Chapman written all over it. Yeah, he also, Chapman also, in maybe the the creepiest thing in this creepy book, refers to Rachel as, quote, very attractive and very mature. <laughs> good, good Tim the Tool Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was an excellent tim the tool man i think it's just so creepy because he's she's like 12 or 13 and he's her principal this isn't even the first time that rachel's gotten this sort of attention from older men i mean it's yeah and i mean she even opens this book like rachel's narration opened this book like yeah people tell me i'm pretty but i don't really see it i'm more brave and it's like that's True, and I'm glad that she realizes that, but it bums me out because it's sort of a reflection of this internalized perception that she's been forced to take because of fucking creepos like Chapman telling her she's attractive. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... The Rachel books always have this extra layer of creep because we, we keep getting to see her interactions with mostly older dudes being incredibly inappropriate towards her. Like, this has happened... Multiple, enough times that I'm commenting on it and concerned about it. Does this seem to you to accurately reflect the experience of being an attractive teenage girl? Well, I wasn't an attractive teenage girl. I was a, an average to unattractive teenage girl. So it doesn't really... Rachel would say the same thing, though. Oh, shit. Yeah, you got me, Brent. I was beautiful, and I'm only now willing to admit it here on air. But more brave. More brave. Yeah, really more brave. Yeah, I mean, it. It. I, I would say the creepy comments I received were more from my peers. Uh, you know, I'll take that back, though, because now that I'm thinking about it, there's a lot of unpleasant comments surfacing from my psyche. From just, ugh, God, this bummed me out. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to, uh, I didn't mean to start <laughs> delving into past traumas. But I mean, I think it's especially interesting because I know, I think it was last week we discussed the fact that 
these books, although they have a variety of uh, different backgrounds and different racial backgrounds, doesn't ever really address that. I think it's interesting that we actually do get like the teen girl experience. And I, I can only assume that reflects K.A. Applegate's own experiences or her knowledge of those experiences in some way. Yeah, of the POV characters, Rachel is the one that demographically would most closely match K.A. Applegate's ex- personal experience. Yeah, and I, I wonder if that's why we're getting... Her books are the only ones where we actually get that sort of social response or that social uh, context, because the, the other books don't really have it quite as much. Yeah, although we get plenty of creep in Marco's POV books, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Oh, Marco. I hope you grow out of it, Marco. I do too. I, I think he will. I think he will. I think, he, I think he'll be fine. It's the 90s. He'll get woke. Yeah, he will. He's got plenty of time to get woke. The future's (laughs) waiting for him. Oh, no. Turn left. Turn left, Marco. (laughs) I mean, the book ends with a nice moment where another, like, sitcom happy moment where they're all gathered around a TV and Jake's like, quick, Marco, put on Baywatch, which is the boy's counterpoint to Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Can you comment on that, Brent? For the time period this was written, I feel like Baywatch was a little bit of a dated reference. Yeah. I'm like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that was in reruns at this point. Uh might have been. I never really watched it, so I mean same. I did watch a couple episodes of Baywatch Nights, the spin-off where it was <laughs> it's like the X-Files, there was supernatural stuff cuz that's fucking what really? Oh yeah, did you not know about this? No, that sounds amazing. It was real bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean it sounds real bad too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. Um I feel like Xena Warrior Princess would have been a better pull, except that they're already using that. Yeah, to represent other things. I, I really don't know what the 90s equivalent of babes. Like, who was a 90s babe? Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Okay. I mean, maybe that's a little late. Nah, but she, yeah, I feel like her. she also has a different energy than, than what I imagine Baywatch. Because I'm thinking like a Pamela Anderson. Okay, well, I'm not going to be super helpful there because I was, I had a type. And it was Buffy? Well, it was Willow, but. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. That that tracks. <laughs> we got we got really off topic. What were we even talking about? Shit. Animorphs? Uh, Tiger Beat. Fucking Tiger Beat. It's so good. <laughs> I really like that when Rachel's in her house. So the, the, the allergic reaction is provoked by emotions of some kind so anger or frustration or nervousness when she's talking to chapman and she starts to change uh but the the (laughs) when she's in her house she's just looking at pictures of jonathan taylor thomas and that's enough to provoke the change which i think is very funny (laughs) i was impressed that she managed to pull off having her feet morphed into bear paws as a weird (laughs) pair of boots yeah. It's called fashion. <laughs> yeah, and the light would be good too. <laughs> that was so shit. That was so good. The the context for that being at the end when Cassie has unnecessarily transformed into Rachel. She's talking to a producer who's clearly a controller and clearly suspects just Rachel and a whole bunch of people. Because again, just all the Yerks other than Visitor 3 know that the Animorphs are humans. Yeah, they, they're just not allowed to admit it at work. <laughs> so this producer is like totally convinced that Rachel 
the the Rachel that he's talking to, which is actually Cassie, is an animorph. And as she's walking by, he he hisses Andalite at her, and she's like, "Yeah, Andalite would be nice too." It's so, <laughs> it's so good. It's such a spectacular moment. It made me. It made Cassie jump to the top of my favorite animorph list just for how cool it was. It was prefaced immediately by Cassie doing an almost parody of Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Rachel is standing like really close by again because it's entirely unnecessary for Cassie to have morphed. Right, right. She was just like, "Hey, I want to taste some more sentience." Yeah, and then she tells Rachel, like, oh, I'm having a hard time controlling your brain because it keeps wanting to do dumb stuff. And I'm like, okay, is that just a, is just is that just a Rachel burn? Or is there actually, <laughs> right. like, Rachel sentience that you're struggling with? Because that's two very different situations. Is it is it Rachel's instinct that causes her to say that? Because it's very much something Rachel would say to Marco. Oh, my God. There's too many levels there, <laughs> right? We need to incept a layer deeper. <laughs> Lord. So, I mean, I don't do how how do we even talk about the last scene in this book where the Rachel is like starting to morph the crocodile and Marco is morphed a llama because there's an animal show <laughs> on before Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Marco llama is adorable. It is really, yeah, it is really cute. I like that Rachel in this book also admitted that Marco is cute, just like not as cute as he thinks. <laughs> She's right, though. There is no way that he could be as cute as he thinks. That's true. It would be impossible, except if he's a llama, because llamas are adorable. God, I, yeah, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you with the tangent about Marco Llama. <laughs> I mean, it the whole, the whole last scene is so fucking crazy. It's Rachel is like gets the crocodile brain and her regular brain and bites Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's a love nibble. <laughs> it's, it's bonkers. And like Cassie drags her off into a uh, 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 bathroom and Rachel is expelling the crocodile but also still morphing allergically. So she's turning into a bear as a crocodile is like pulling out of her back. I want to see the fucking fan art for this, by the way. Oh my god! I want to, yeah, I want to see the Chimera Bear Rachel Crocodile. I want it to to ask me riddles. <laughs> you, you know they're gonna be bullshit, though. Yeah, there are gonna be they're gonna be animorph riddles, it, but from like book forty, which we haven't gotten to yet. They'll be like, "What walks on all fours in the morning is actually an idiot that can't plan anything." And you're like, "Yeah, oh, uh, is that three. Jake?" Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Jake in a tiger morph, and then Jake in a, a human body, and then Jake as a... as a oh, What's a three-legged animal? Kangaroo. No. <laughs> 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 two, two legs and a tail. Tail's not counts. a leg. It's like it's leg adjacent. Okay, well then you come up with you come up with a three legged animal to complete this riddle, Brett. Uh, Pearson's puppeteer. I don't know what the fuck are you saying. Is that an animal? No, they're they're an alien from Ringworld that has three legs. But all Klingons <laughs> okay. fucking exist in the setting, so. <laughs> okay, sure, that's fair. All right, we'll write that up, and that'll be the title of this episode. God, please don't. 
yeah your your thing would have been a way funnier way to take it i just decided to do the low effort dunk on visor three instead no that's a good idea anytime you can dunk on visor three you, you have a responsibility to dunk on visor <laughs> he's so bad he's such a bad leader but like they're in this bathroom and rachel is like three animals at this point and cassie's there too and is about to get chomped and so she panics and morphs a squirrel <laughs> and then jumps on the crocodile and so it's bear morph rachel square morph cassie this spare crocodile <laughs> llama marco axe is there where's jake is jake here i don't remember where jake was at during any of this jake is morphed into something jake's is he like a cockroach oh i well, yeah, Marco says earlier that Jake's a cockroach and Axe is a fly. Axe reappears and is the one to finally kill the crocodile with his sick-ass blade tail. But where's Jake? Where's Jake, Brent? I think I think he's off somewhere scolding. <laughs> he, he saw himself in a mirror and couldn't resist? Yeah, how dare you be morphed right now? <laughs> yeah, I have no... I don't... I don't remember Jake being in that final clusterfuck at all. Cause it cause cause Cassie as a squirrel cuts the lights and then Axe kills the crocodile and the llama Marco is hitting the crocodile as as is and the bear Rachel is sort of tra- dragging him across stage. I don't think Jake is anywhere. He yells then let's get out of here towards the end. Yeah, I'm that's exactly where I'm at. It's never made clear if he's actually Yeah, if he was they're helping then um she didn't notice yeah he his voice is there but there's no mention of if he's still a cockroach or if he has gone into his battle morph or is participating in any useful way other than yelling i mean they make sure to notice that marco as a llama rushes the damn crocodile (laughs) yeah they're all dogpiling on this (laughs) tank of a monster i guess they're all llama piling on this on this tank of a monster (laughs) that's an adorable mental image (laughs) <laughs> a llama pile uh-huh. a cuddly llama pile oh my goodness <laughs> it's almost as cute as a corgi pile oh yeah what book do they morph corgis God. do you think i think it's in the i think it's in like uh the 30s like the late 30s it's the, expanded the corgi universe. book <laughs> the corgi chronicles the british reboot <laughs> <laughs> that's good where jake has instead of a labrador jake has a corgi and they have to infiltrate buckingham palace to keep a, the the queen oh. from getting uh, made into a controller, and so they all oh. go in in corgi morphs because in Buckingham Palace they're basically as common as cockroaches or flies. That's wonderful! What a wonderful <laughs> life! Oh, to live in Buckingham Palace. Yeah, being super rich would actually be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turns out there are some benefits to being super rich. All the corgis you could ask for. <laughs> so I mean, that whole last scene is super crazy because, like. there's just a crocodile and that crocodile doesn't belong to anybody like there's a wild animal dude there but he's like yeah these aren't my animals i don't tour with a grizzly bear and a crocodile i've got a llama and like a sloth and maybe like a fancy looking pigeon but that's it i appreciate that that bart jacobs the animal guy is like these aren't my animals but the hosts keep going Get Bart Jacobs out here to get his fucking animals off the stage because they can't conceive of a universe, rightly so, in which there is an un- like an unescorted grizzly bear and crocodile 
just yeah there's an unaffiliated crocodile has made his way into the audience (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like the idea that maybe bart is he's just a tv personality he's actually entirely clueless about animals so he sees a grizzly bear and a crocodile and he's like i can't i can't do anything about that they're not one of my animals you know he's gonna get blamed for this though yeah i'm certain that's how they're covering it up it's just his fault. He brought a grizzly bear on and you're not supposed to do that on TV. <laughs> so they attack, like this This menagerie tumbles onto stage and uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is there. He has been made a controller, which we know because the Yurk bails once his body's in trouble, <laughs> which is good to know because that's something we've definitely talked about in the past is like, can can and will the yerk bail if the human body is in extreme danger? And the answer is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we still are not 100% certain if the yerk dies with the host, but we do know that the yerk wanted the hell out. I mean, it didn't get very far because we hear Rachel, she steps on something squishy and it's revealed that she has crushed the yerk under her bare foot. Her, her bare foot? Her bare feet. <laughs> the cleanest double entendre ever <laughs> yeah so i mean it, it all works out well in the end i guess i was really certain for about three pages that jonathan taylor thomas was going to be viscer three morphine jonathan <gasps> taylor thomas at the end of this holy shit that would have been a great twist <laughs> right yeah, that would have been really good. Because he's such an asshole in the green room. Yeah, he really is. And I guess the question is whether that's an accurate Jonathan Taylor Thomas representation or if that's just the yerk that was in Jonathan Taylor Thomas. He was just like an asshole yerk. I, I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas does not come out of this book looking great. No, he certainly doesn't. But Hecate did get him into the controller equivalent <laughs> of witness protection in Uzbekistan. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't touched in with Hecate for a few books, uh, mostly because last book didn't happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess fuck yeah, the last I... book so much. <laughs> Brent remains very spicy about the last book, Extremely. as well he should. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I guess Hecate has been keeping an eye on things. I I assume that Hecate, like every single of uh, 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 Visor Three's controller army I, I assume they all know animorphs are really human and it's just visor three's the last holdout i think that's pretty much it the rest of the irks may not even know that it's common knowledge at this point because you don't want to talk about it where visor three might find out yeah i assume yeah this is like break room discussion since they we, since we know they don't really talk in the pools <laughs> this is controller break room discussions while they're lining up to to get into the pool they're all like oh yeah did you hear the latest some some girl broke through her house uh, somehow and this jumped into a crocodile pit. That's probably an anamorph, right? <laughs> Don't let Visser 3 hear you say that. He really wants to eat some Andalites. <laughs> he really does. He doesn't get to eat anything in this book. No, he does get to spear someone. That's true. He gets to spear a couple people. But you know, that's not that's not enough. No, <laughs> no, it isn't. He wants the, that good, good morpher inside him. Ugh. Yeah. What's those Andalite flavors? <laughs> I assume the Andalites taste like uh, Captain Crunch. <laughs> Captain Crunch or Oops All Berries? Ooh, oops All Berries, you got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think they I taste knew from like the oops color. Yeah, I knew where you were going. 
Oh my god. I assume they're gamey. Yeah, probably. I mean, because they're kind of like deer. Either that or they're like pork because they're human-esque. Maybe, well, I mean, they don't have torsos. That's true. That's true. They're not long pork. They're just regular pork. They're, yeah, some sort of weird pig-deer cross. I don't don't really want to think about this anymore. Okay, let's move on. Is there any other things that we haven't talked about that you wanted to cover? Uh, Just that I I love every interaction that Tobias and Rachel have. (laughs) He's... There, it, several times during her POV books, she calls out that he's like privately thought speaking to her because they have yeah. little in jokes and stuff. Yeah. She refers to him in the like the real early chapter as their first casualty. And it's mm. so sad because they're just ugh. my notes for this have <laughs> Tobias and Rachel and then four heart emojis. <laughs> it's so endearing. Yeah, I know you mentioned you really like that moment. Between Rachel and Tobias, thought speak. He's he's always there with some words of support. Yeah, there's yeah there's a moment where Tobias, well Rachel is getting reamed by Jake, and Tobias thought speaks to her. Ask what Jake would have done in your situation, and she does, and it totally like derails Jake's rant. <laughs> and it's a very sweet moment. Oh, that was good. <laughs> and I'm really excited for the next book, which is a Tobias POV. And which I think is a book in which some stuff happens that I very, very clearly remember from my youth. uh, Because it it raises a lot of questions. Uh, So I'm really excited to talk about that. The the next one is book 13, The Change. Yeah, now I'm excited about that one too. The the Change is puberty, Brent. Oh, shit. Is that what this is a metaphor for? (laughs) Isn't it? Have we been reading... Rachel's sprouting hair in weird places? You know what? We already did this joke in like episode one, so I refuse. I refuse to revisit it. We're better okay. than this, Jenna. Yeah, re- re-listen to episode one for this yeah, joke. Just pretend. And also episode two for my rant. <laughs> this is a, a choose-your-own podcast. Goodness. <laughs> You'll get one of those when we do the alternomorphs for sure. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. I think that will do it for this week, though. Yeah. Thanks, as always, for listening uh, and reading along with us and joining us on this adventure. And thanks to Dustin O'Dell for the use of his music for our intro and outro. You can find us on social media. We're at Fandalites on Twitter. We're fandalites.tumblr.com on Tumblr. Uh, We're at www.fandalites.com. You can email us, fandalites at gmail.com. We'd love to see some of that good, good fan art. Oh my god. Accurate fan art. Yes, there's some very good fan art happening on Tumblr uh, of people mostly outraged of the Andalite fan art I made. <laughs> but, and it's very good. But it's the only true and accurate Andalite fan art. It really is. And people can argue with me all they want, but uh, it's straight from KA's mouth. Yeah. So we, we have it there gonna, in black and white. We're going to doubt canon. Join us again next week. We'll be doing book 13, The Change. And as always, remember... Nostalgia is a drug. Brent, before we close out, Uh are you still recording? Yeah.
Brent, could you do your best Tim Allen impression for me? Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Brent. You're welcome. You just put that in wherever. <laughs>